Hello and welcome to the Francisca Show. Today we have such an awesome guest. It is Hanukkah. So happy Hanukkah to everyone when we will be posting. <laughs> so today we have such an awesome and special guest by the name of Jezlia Villarreal, who is a singer and songwriter, musician and dancer, and the co-director and co-founder of the RBS Dance and Music Academy, located in Ramat Beit Shemesh in Israel. Jazlia was born into an evangelical Christian home that observed the Sabbath. Her father was the pastor of a Latino church in Austin, Texas. Her parents and family are from Mexico and settled in South Texas in their youth. From a young age, Jazlia showed tremendous interest in the performing arts and trained in voice, music, and dance. By the age of nine, she started a dance team at her church. and By the age of 12, she was already singing lead in the church band. Jesley aspired to attend one of the top Christian performing arts colleges to become a worldwide worship leader. But when Jesley was 17, her mother and father brought Jewish teachings into the church and at home. And after intense research and soul searching, she decided to leave the church in search for truth in Torah. Jesley married her husband, Yosef Daniel, in 2006 and had their first child in 2008. They finished their conversion to Judaism in January of 2010 and made Aliyah in July of 2010. Since then, she has found her love of the performing arts once again as co-director and co-founder of the RBS Dance and Music Academy and is now working on her debut album called Trust in You. She's performing and speaking at events around Central Israel. Jazlia hopes to inspire all women and girls to dream big and to hold on to Hashem, who is in control of it all. Wow, Jazlia, welcome to the show. It's so amazing to have you. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited and honored to be a part of this, Francisca. It's an honor to actually meet you, kind of, right? So thank you so yes, much. for the first time. So let's start with your incredible upbringing. And I know you started posting videos about your story, but for all of the podcast listeners here who don't know your story yet, could you share a little bit more about this incredibly different upbringing? Right. So basically, um, a lot of people, when they hear that I used to be Christian and my dad was a pastor, they automatically think uh, that I was a Catholic and my dad was a priest. There was a com big, big difference uh, in what we believed in. For us, uh, Catholicism was uh, paganism and wasn't real Christianity. Our church was basically founded, what we found out later on, was founded by a Jewish woman. Our customs came from that, that, um, you know, we started, we, we observed the Sabbath, and this is from generations, generations. So my grandparents and their grandparents grew up in it. We observed the Sabbath from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown. Uh, we didn't eat pork and we, uh, or lobster, shrimp, everything that, um, you know, all the uncleaned animals that it states in, in uh, Leviticus. And we didn't celebrate Christmas or Easter. Those were very pagan holidays. Like my parents used to even do big um, talks in church and around about how like pagan those holidays were and how it really doesn't match up with what we believed in in the, in the New Testament, which is the, what do they call it? The Brit Hadash, I think. A lot of yeah, I think so. Um, so yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't any different. I mean, it was big time different from even the Sunday goers. That's so interesting. How many people were a part of this community? 
So my father was a pastor of a Hispanic church, and we had about 200 members in only our church. But that was in Austin, Texas. We also, there was, there's churches everywhere. Like even in Dallas alone, there's five churches that from, from our, like from that conference, you know, it's like a conference. It's called the Church of God Seventh Day. And they have branches all over the world. Wow, this is fascinating. So I I can assume that tradition and following uh, in the footsteps of your parents and having their approval for your life decisions is probably a big part of your life. When did you decide to do the switch? Um, how did you get over the fact of leaving your parents and their traditions? And so so um, I didn't leave my parents. Actually, they are, Baruch Hashem, I'm just going to jump a little bit, but I'll come back. Uh, my parents are Jewish, and they live here in Ramat Shemesh as oh, well. Wow. And so the thing, what started is that one day, it was in 2005, my mom, my mom is very, she's, she loves to study. And our, our family was very religious. You can say that I grew up as FFB, basically. But, you know, in the Christian mm-hmm. world, like I was very, very spiritual and very religious since I was little going to church and you know they, at school they would call me um the pk pastor's kid preacher's kid that was like a big thing so uh, my mom was is a very special woman and she um she would tell us like in 2005 this would happen she said we are the most boring christians ever because we don't celebrate anything we don't do halloween of course and we don't do christmas we don't do easter and it's like it's all paganism we're so boring like what is there for us and so she started getting into like Jewish festivals and she's like, you know what? These kind of fit with us. You know, there's a messianic movement that kind of incorporate the Jewish festivals and uh, and Christianity in it. So, you know, let's start doing that because it seems more into what we're, you know, we do because we already keep the Sabbath. Right. So she started going into that and she even, there was going to be this huge conference, this arts conference for messianics in Florida at the time. And me and my parents went to it and it was going to be like this whole celebration on Jewish festivals and how they they incorporate into Christianity and how like like JC into how, you know, how he fits into all the Jewish festivals. And um, so we went to it and it was it was a blast. Like there was hip hop classes, there was jazz classes, contemporary classes, like all these kind of worship classes everywhere and singing classes, everything. It was huge, maybe like 5,000 to 7,000 people there. And um, after we came back, she started doing uh, Shabbat in church. She baked halot and she took grape juice. And uh, after Friday night services, she would have everybody come in and like dip the challah in wine juice, which I don't know why. But um, from Pesach. Yeah, probably. And so she started doing that. So after um, our services on Friday night, we would go back home and, and do Shabbat dinners instead of going out to eat with everybody. Wow. at a restaurant and so it just we st- just started implementing a little bit little by little until Katif happened my mother felt so emotional and so connected with what was going on with the evacuation that she locked herself in her room like for like three months we didn't hear from her for like a long time and How she took sabbatical I was 17 uh-huh wow she took a sabbatical from her job. All we know is that three months later, she came to us and she told us, I've been doing a lot of research. Uh, I got onto Abu Sheva and she started listening to all the backstories that we didn't have, you know, about 
all the avot and what really went on. And she she would just tell herself, wow, these rabbis are so wise and they're so, you know, they, they know all these stories. Why is it that they don't believe in JC as their Messiah? It's just so hard to to understand. You know, I can't understand that. So it wasn't until one day that this Christian guy, he he um, he called into the show when Jeremy Gempo was um, speaking and he told him, you know, you know why this is happening to you guys. Right. And Jeremy Gempo was like, no, like, why? And he said, it's because you haven't accepted JC as your savior. And that's why this is happening to you. And so Jeremy Gimpel said, like, I will never believe in your Messiah and don't call back here again and this blah, 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 you know. So my mom was like, OK, why isn't it that they, you know, like they're so smart, like, like, let's find out. So basically what she did for three months is research. She, she bought a Tanakh. She called us in one day later on that year. Um, all my brothers and sisters one by one. And she told us that, OK, basically what we've been believing in is is idol worship and you guys need to trust us on this we we need to leave the church like this is not okay like jesus is not god he's not nothing and when she told me when she told me that i don't know what my brother and my sister thought but when she told me that i remember that my first thought was okay mom but what about my soul because we're taught as a christian that if we don't believe in jc that we will burn in hell we have no salvation and that's it for us. And she told me, don't worry about it. Like, you're a good person. You love God. You know, you believe only in God. You'll be okay. Wow. So. So, and your father, was he a part of this journey? He was a part of it. Um, during that time, that whole three months that we we were wondering what was going on, we did know that there was a bit of, um, you know, there was uh a bit of tension with my parents, a, a lot of tension, and we didn't know exactly what was going on until that time. And so what happened was that my mom did confront my dad about it, but my dad was a pastor of a church. He couldn't really believe what was going on, you know, and and later on we, we found out that they were even talking about divorce, and it was like this big thing that we didn't know. And basically one day what we were told is that my mom told him, she had like this big stack of papers that she, um, from her research, of about a bunch of mistakes that were found in, in the Christian Bible itself. And she told him one day, okay, I'm going to give you this. Go and you do your own research and look at this and prove me wrong because I want to be wrong. And my dad, him being the pastor, said like, okay, like, you know, it's a piece of cake. I'll prove you wrong. She said that they came, he came back like the next day saying, I found more stuff. And since then, they were like, okay, we got to do something. Um, at that time, we had 200 people at church. But not only that, we had family members. And we had we had our family, but we had people that we grew up with from our childhood, you know, that were, they were like family. And so we stayed, we stuck around to try to save them, you know, to, ch you know, like, that was our mission. We didn't want, we had this truth and we didn't want to just leave and pack up, you know, pack up our bags and go. But um, they didn't want any part of it. Like within, we tried, like for five months, we, we stayed in church and tried to, you know, downplay everything. You know, we would be at front. I remember me and my husband, we'd be in the front and singing. And we had to take out a bunch of songs that had about Jesus and 
and just think about God. But then people started catching on and like press. So then we had to sing about Jesus, which is really hard. I remember one time that that one time that we had to sing about Jesus again. And I was like, I was crying while I was singing up there. And it was just like, it just didn't feel so real anymore. Wow. And yeah, so we, we ended up leaving. Um, a lot of the people from church found out about what was going on with my family. And so they had this huge meeting. It was uh, in 2006, March of 2006. And my dad just resigned. And uh, my whole family left, meaning my parents and my older brother and my sister and I. So how was dating different from, you know, since you say you're FFB, how different is the dating? How different is the dating? Um, my parents didn't allow us to have relationships with boys very young, like the secular world is used to. You know, I remember I would go to school and my 13-year-old friends, like, they would have their boyfriends in their cars, you know, like, you know, with their with their moms, and they would know that they were dating. But my parents wouldn't allow me um, to have... Boyfriends. Boy, boyfriends. No, growing up, I didn't. And my husband is actually my... was my first boyfriend, re, like, real relationship. And that's when I was 17, 16, 17. Mm-hmm. So were you set up, or... You no, I wasn't set found each other. It was, since I grew up in ch- church, I was very um, involved in church. And I knew that I wanted, when I wanted to date somebody for real and to marry, it had to be somebody from church who goes to, who has the same beliefs that I do. Um, so I was never really drawn to people from school, even if they were Christian or Sunday goers, just because we wouldn't have anything in, in common. common. Sure. Yeah, in common, especially when it comes to like Sabbath and holidays. Wow. So... So we did, growing up, we would always have conferences in church, like um, twice a year, where all the churches from Texas got together in one city, and there would be thousands of people there. And that's how we met people, like, Your you own know, and people. we would touch. Right, right, exactly. That's that's very interesting. You did, did you go through the process of, of conversion? Yeah. After we left the church... Um, I was busy planning a wedding. My wedding was going to be that August, and we left in March. So me and my husband, um, my fiancé at the time, we didn't really want to do anything. It was just a big rush to decide if we were going to convert or not. My parents ended up going right into it, and um, they, they converted after a year. And it wasn't until – and then we got married that same year, but it wasn't until I – was pregnant with my first kid where we decided to, that we really wanted this kind of life, you know, this life for our kid and also for our family and for ourselves. I do want to move on to the music part and I can't sure. even imagine. So you giving up this whole concert every weekend and you were choir lead or something and then just I giving would- it all up to be, you know, a Kolisha observant Jewish woman. I didn't know. I think at the time, I'm going to be very honest. I think at the time, I didn't know what I was giving up. I didn't understand and I didn't know about the Kolisha issue and how little opportunity there is, there was for women in the arts. So I'm going to be very honest. Did you feel betrayed when you found out and you were like, I would have never done this had I known? I kind of just accepted it for a while. I was like, okay, you know, like, 
girls can't do that. I actually really thought that girls just couldn't sing. Like, that's it. Like, there's no, there's nothing to do with the art. So I kind of just like, okay, what can I do? Well, that's what I, you know, like, like I want to be a good religious girl. I'm sorry? Like a good religious girl. You were brought up yeah. to be a good religious girl. And just basically do what you're told. Um, not that I'm saying that's what a good religious girl should be raised today to just do what she's told. Always question everything, <laughs> if you ask me. You recently just started, I mean, we all just recently started in this whole, with all these groups and these platforms, but, and I, I know um, Shaked is going to tell us a lot, a lot more, we're going to focus a lot more on RBS, but um, you could tell us your side of the story and more about how music re-entered into your life as a Jewish woman and what that looked like. Sure. Um, so when we made, we converted in January 2010 and we made Aliyah that year in, in the summer. This is already four years after I left the church and I didn't do anything anymore. Like I wasn't singing, I wasn't, I wasn't playing my guitar, I wasn't dancing or anything. When we moved to Israel, this is the first time I had been to Israel. And it was such a cultural shock that I literally had a meltdown after two, two weeks of vacation is over mentality, you know? Yep. And I remember that I was in the room and I was just crying to my husband and I told him, I want to go home. I don't want to be here anymore. Like, I, there's like, I'm like, I don't, I don't get it here. You know, I don't get it. I want to go home. It's just, I don't, I don't like it. And like he ended what? up telling Can you tell me a few things that were getting to you? The Hebrew. I didn't grow up Jewish. So Hebrew, it was just a big, just my neighbors were Israeli, everything. Like they could, I couldn't understand them at the store. I remember the first time I went to a grocery store, I spent four hours for a normal grocery shopping because I, I had to look at the pictures on every single thing to know to know what you're getting. Under yeah. So everything, the bus, like we we lived in we lived in Yerushalayim. The bus, the trap, everything, the busy, just the busyness. And um, and it was just you know it's just, it was different here when we got here. So it was just very overwhelming for me where I had a, like a little break breakdown. Um, and I just told my husband I want to go. So he ended up telling me no, this, we're going to stay here, you know, like, it's okay, you need to get yourself involved, go do something, look for, look for a dance class, maybe they have dance classes here, and I was like, okay, I haven't danced in four years since I left high school, let's see what there is, and so the next day, I got online to look for something, and I found a women's dance school, a religious women's dance school, uh, led by Rachel Factor. Oh, I know that one. Yeah, uh, yeah, I know. I read your bio, and I know that you did something with her before. Yeah. So, so I was so excited because she was just gonna have her grand opening of of her new studio the following week, and so I was so excited. I was like, she's gonna have a concert and like this whole thing. So I was like, okay, I didn't know they had this, you know, for religious women and girls stuff. You know, cool. I I went. I fell in love with it, and they had jazz classes. Like I, you know, just like I trained in. As, since I was little, and I went to grand opening, and that's where I met Shaked. She was a teacher there, and um, that's where I met her. 
And so that's how I started getting involved back into dancing, at least not into the into the singing stuff. And basically from there, I was going regularly until um, we moved to Ramat Chemish around December. Uh, I didn't go back to the studio after I moved here because it was just a, a lot of traveling. But one day I, I bump into Shaked on the bus from Yushalayim to Ramat Chemish. And I'm like, hey, like, how's it going? Like, whatever. And um, she asked me, what are you doing? I was like, I just moved here. And she told me, I just moved to Ramat Chemish. Like, we moved, we literally moved two days apart to Ramat Chemish. And we're like, oh, that's so cool. So she ended up convincing me to keep going with her to a health factor studio. So we both went, we would go back and forth for like half a year until it became too much for us. And we just said, it's too much. Like, let's try to find something in Ramat Chemish. That way we can dance here and we can just, you know, do it here. And by the way, we have your albums uh, for the Academy and the girls enjoy them so, so much. They always asking me, where can we get the CD? It's so great. So I just wanted to let you know because you inspire the girls and it's just been amazing hearing you in our studio at the RBSDMA. Thank so. you so much. Yeah, for anyone listening, um, you can always go to the albums tab on my website. I'll post a link and you could download my music. Thank you so much. I'm so happy you're dancing to it. That's really all I want for my music, for it to be heard, used. So back to RBS. There was absolutely nothing. That summer, There was, we couldn't find anything here that catered to our needs. Like we, we were both trained in contemporary and jazz. And it's more American style. Yeah, could you tell me more about your training? We skipped all of that. I started dancing when I was seven years old. But I did it more in, it's called, um, it's worship dancing. That's how I got interested into it. Uh, we did tambourine dancing and it's with ribbons and all this stuff. That's how I first got into it. Um, I always loved singing, but then from the, from the dancing, then that got me into real training. So I started taking studio classes and started doing a little bit of jazz. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until maybe I was older, like in 12, 12 years old that I started taking ballet also. Also in church, I did a dance team at church with tambourine with a bunch of older girls. And I was like the leader. We performed all over places. We had competitions. I grew up doing competitions and uh, performances, events. You know, I also started taking whatever I learned in, the, in my secular world and I brought it into church. And I made my own dance team there at church with younger girls and, and with, older, with older girls. Um, by that time, when I stopped dancing at church, I became more interested in the music part and singing. And uh, I became one of the youngest girls there singing in church and eventually took a lot of um, leadership, which wasn't hard. My parents were the pastors, so it's like, you know. A natural uh, progression. Yeah. When, did you teach yourself guitar or did you take lessons? I did. I taught myself guitar just when I was 13. I just... I I wanted to learn. I picked it up and some just by ear. I just grabbed a bunch of books and taught myself. Amazing. Well, you're super talented. That's nothing to argue with. And your voice is just like honey. So can you tell us about you. your project that you're working on? We're so excited for it. So I want to know, is it original pieces or covers or rewrites of other people's music? It, it is all original. The only song that I have in the making that's a cover, it's um, it's going to be a Jonathan Raziel song that I fell in love with. It's like the first song, it's a new song of his 
that I fell in love with. And it's the first time that I actually feel comfortable singing in Hebrew. It was just, I've never had a song really, you know, like touch me so much, you know, like really that I really get. Right. And me and my husband uh, composed a, um, a different arrangement to it. It's not really the same as a Yonatan Razel, but it just goes a little based off of it. It's a beautiful acoustic uh, version. Very cool. Are you self-producing this project? We have uh, our hub. We have our producer also. His name is Freddie Fabian. He's Did here in Rabbit and he goes by Dub Fred. Okay. Spend a few minutes about talking about this project and what's what does it take? Up till now, I've been very busy with the RBS Dance Academy, which used to be, which now is Music Academy. Um, I stopped singing for a long time. I would sing every once in a while at my shows. But I just, I felt like I had forgotten to sing. And I was just developing this dance part of myself. I felt like when Hashem, he literally dropped it on me in Shaket. We literally had no choice. He wanted us to do it. And like, Baruch Hashem, it just worked out. And it's been an amazing ride. So I pretty much was concentrated on that. And I thought, okay, dance is what I'm going to just do. I'm going to stick to it. Until this past summer when we started doing the Music Academy. And I was like, I miss this so much. You know, I, I also sing, you know, like I used to do all this stuff and I miss it so much. Like when I would hear Judith and Sapir who are on our team. They're amazing. And yeah, they're amazing. As Baruch Hashem, we got so blessed to have them on our team. But as soon as I would hear them, everything, I was like, I used to do that. I'm sorry. I'm tearing up also right mm -hmm. now because I just remember how I felt this summer. And I was like, you know, and I kind of felt like the third wheel and like when even though they're on our team and stuff, it was just one thing inside of me that I was like, I used to do that. It just brought so much memories and like the love of, of singing and music that I just decided a few months ago, I was like, I need to do this. Like Hashem has given me a voice and I am, I love music so much. And I have, I have a voice to share. And I feel like my inspiration comes from my dancers. You know, when I see them sing, when I see them dancing in class, they enjoy energetic music, but deep music. So I decided to that I'm going to go ahead with my singing career, and I'm going to go for it. I'm going to do my music. I'm going to record an album, and my husband's going to go for it also. It's just going to be like a dual team, and we're both going to just go for it. We're, we're both 30 years old, and we just like we don't want to waste time. Is he singing and, on it also? No, not on my album. Okay. He's also singer and musician, a awesome musician and singer, and he's going to be doing his own album. Wow. So you're both doing your albums now. We're both <laughs> doing They're in the making right now. What are I the messages up, in your songs? <laughs> okay. So here's where it gets kind of interesting. Growing up, since I was religious, I was never allowed to listen to secular music. In the Christian world, there's no need to listen to secular music because the Christian music is such at a good level to that, to the secular music. You know, there's an, you, you don't lack from it. You have your hip hop, you have your contemporary, you have your pop, you have every single genre and amazing, amazing artists, amazing artists. So I grew up on Christian music and without secular music, you know, until we left the church and I wasn't allowed to listen to that anymore. So my messages, my whole music, is going to be inspirational for women and girls. You know, it's going to be religious. It's going to be modern. I'm going to take what I've learned out there and what is going on now 
you know, the whole field. That sec- I'm going to take that secular sound out and bring it into the Jewish world, but make it to where all girls and women will enjoy it and, you know, gain a lot from it. Where they're, where they're able to connect to God as well. Wow. When I sing and when I do my music, it's only to connect to Hashem. I can't, I'm not used to anything else. This is so beautiful. You're so talented. And I can't wait to hear this album of yours. This is so exciting. I, I'm also a big fan of Yonatan Rosell. And we were talking about Rachel Factor, big fan of her also. So my last question for you, and we'll close with this. What is your vision? What's your dream? What would you like there to be? And um, even if you don't see that as reality today, what would you like there to be for you? I would like to fulfill my mission here on earth. Um, What Hashem brought me here. I feel like he's brought me here to inspire. I have a connection with young girls, with teenagers. And I think that has to do with a lot with the academy. And I feel like my place is here is to help women and girls who are looking for that modern part of Judaism, you know, to help them hang on to Judaism and help them feel like Judaism is cool. You know, it's still cool. And, you know, we have we have good singers, we have good music and stuff like that. I feel like that's part of why I'm here to bring what I brought what I all my knowledge from where I used to be all those tools you know Hashem put me in church for a reason and I even though it it's something bad that I did in my past I feel like I have to bring certain tools from there and be able to use them here and and use them like even speaking you know like speaking about my story I think I'm here to really inspire women and girls to to bring this message out that I don't know like well, um, nothing you did was bad. First of all, you were born into it. Second of all, you didn't even do any paganism stuff. So technically, you were a total kosher non-Jew. It's it's incredible, your story, your journey, and, and your messages. I really love that about you. And we're so lucky you. to have you a part of our Kalisha market. And, thank you. And, thank you. I'm hoping for more. Kalisha has really blown up this past year. And... I'm happy to be a part of it. I really am. It's exciting. It's exciting for all the Jewish artists that, you know, women artists that are. What breaks my heart is just that everyone keeps saying how they grew up thinking, well, except for Judith Gersey, <laughs> that you're not allowed to sing. You're not allowed to sing. And that's not the truth. You are allowed to sing. There are places for women to sing. Yeah. It's like the repeat of the sin where Adam tells Chava she's not allowed to touch the tree even though she's just not allowed to eat from the tree. And then, you know, the men somehow sent over the message or the women sent over the message to the girls that we're not allowed to sing, we're not allowed to open our mouths. And, and told- we have to correct this because I told- that's not the case. And, you know, I don't know if you're going to use this, what I'm about to say, but I... I also found that because of that mentality, you have people that you have a lot of girls, especially religious, religious girls that don't really have a nice voice because they've never practiced it and they were never taught to use it. You know, we, we get approached by a lot of girls a lot of times and they can't. They really want to. They want to be able to find their own voice, but they can't because they've always been taught like, don't, you know, they don't have a place to to shine they don't have a place Shabbat table they'll they have guests they can't sing 
you know? And so it's, um, it's something sad you see, but at the same time, things are changing and, and we are put here. I think all of us who are making this happen are put here, you know, in order to be an example and be like, you know, you can't do it in a safe place and a, you know, and not just that, but to like women and girls need to hear you. Okay, thank you so much, Jeslia, for being on our show. We will post links and information about Jeslia, and hopefully we'll update the information so you can purchase the album in case you're listening to this podcast a year later or half a year later when this album is out. So It'll be out in a couple of months. In a couple of months. Bezrat Hashem. So thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for inspiring us all. Thank you for being such an example and such a beautiful soul. Thank um, you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening to The Francisca Show. For more information and bios and pictures, go to www.franciscamusic.com slash podcast. And make sure to tune in next week. Please subscribe, download, write a positive review on iTunes, and share with your friends. Thank you. America, we are endowed by our creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. By honoring your career calling, you impact your family, your friends, and your community. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu.